Paul begins the work of his life today. We see him step into God's plan for redemption for the Gentiles, as if his whole life up to this point has been preparation. So if you know someone who needs to pray through the idea that their mess that they're in right now might be preparing them to be used by God, now would be a great time to share this broadcast. Welcome, I'm Michelle Berkey, and this is Praying Scripture, a weekday broadcast where we use God's own words to honor Him and to talk to Him about the things going on in our life and in our world. So join me today as we dive into episode 114, and we pray together through Acts chapter 13. But before we get to the full chapter, let's pull a verse out and use that for worship. We'll be actually two verses today. We'll be in Acts 13, 38, and 39. And those verses say this, Therefore, let it be known to you, brothers and sisters, that through this man, forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed to you. Everyone who believes is justified through him from everything that you could not be justified from through the law of Moses. Now we're going to see this in a speech in the chapter in its own context, but I just want to use it to open up today and to recognize that we are here because Jesus paid that price for us, that he means that we have been, can have forgiveness of sin so that we can come into this place of asking before God. So let's go to it. Let's pray. Father, I am grateful to be able to read and speak and pray your word today. I recognize that not everyone has had that privilege in their life. Not everyone has that ability even now, even today. And I have access to your word in a thousand different ways. And it is a privilege to be able to speak it and pray it today. And I ask that as we come into this place, as we sit before the Father, that we recognize and we honor you, Jesus, as the one who made that possible. I am able to come to the Father because you died for my sins, that forgiveness was proclaimed to me, and I am justified through you for the things that I could not be saved of through the law of Moses, and I appreciate that. I honor you for that today as Messiah. I worship you as the promise and as freedom, as the bread of life, and as everlasting water. I am so grateful and feel privileged to be able to step into this place to offer these prayers. And I thank you for making that possible. As we move on in this prayer time, I pray, Spirit, that you would illuminate these words. I'm going to read a long passage of Scripture today, and you have the power to work that into our lives in a way that each one of us finds meaning and moves closer to Christ. And so I pray that that would be the work that you would do in us today. This would not be about us, but about you. In Jesus' name, amen. We are reading and praying through Acts chapter 13 today, and this is one of those long chapters, so I am going to get right to it without a big introduction, but with the warning that there are about a million names to pronounce in this chapter, so I am asking for grace in advance if I mess them up. Because I I thought, I'm going to have to leave time to go in and search out every single one of these names and the pronunciation, and I didn't have time to do that, so (laughs) forgive me if they're wrong, but let's go. We're going to read, pray, read, pray through this, and it's probably going to be mostly reading and a smaller amount of prayer because it is so long. It's a huge passage to get through. So what I want you to do is just 
let these words settle over you. Let them fall on your heart in a way that moves you and let the Spirit use these words to promote you into thought or reflection or repentance or joy or any of the ways that you react. But I just want you to let these words settle on you. The prayer is probably going to be less of a feature than just reading these words. Here we go. This is Acts chapter 13. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a close friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And as a side note, this is a different Herod than the one who was killed at the end of the last chapter. We're not jumping in time. This is actually a Herod that is related to him, but a different person. As they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after they had fasted, prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Arriving in Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the Jewish synagogues. They also had John as their assistant. When they had traveled the whole island, as far as Paphos, they came across a sorcerer, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul and wanted to hear the word of God, but Elimus the sorcerer, that is the meaning of his name, opposed them and tried to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, stared straight at Elimus and said, You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery, you son of the devil and enemy of all that is right. Won't you ever stop perverting the straight paths of the Lord? Now look, the Lord's hand is against you. You're going to be blind and will not see the sun for a time. Immediately, a mist and darkness fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then when he saw what had happened, the proconsul believed because he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. All right, let's stop there and pray. I probably should have stopped earlier on, but let's pray through that section. Father, I was struck the first thing in this chapter by the idea that the church was praying and worshiping and fasting. And the Holy Spirit spoke and said, set aside Barnabas and Paul for me, for the work to which they were called. This is Paul stepping into his purpose really for the first time in his life. He did all kinds of things before this. But they led him to this place where he was stepping into his life purpose because you had called him to. You asked the church to set them aside and allow them to fulfill their purpose. And I love the fact that they immediately did so. They had been in Antioch now for over a year, and this was home to them. And God said, it's time to move on. And I appreciate the church commissioning them in the way that we do now often. And I ask, I guess... Aside from just being struck by that, that here's what I ask for in response to this. I want our church, all of our churches, the church universal, your people across the world, to be devoted to worship and fasting and prayer, devoted to what worship looks like in our lives, not just to attending church on a Sunday morning, but to true worship. This church was gathered in worship and fasting. And Spirit, you spoke to them at that time. Sometimes it takes us committing before you will speak to us and set us into our work. They were seeking you with a deep seeking. Help us learn to do that in our churches. Let us be a people of fasting and prayer and worship. 
when you ask us then to move into our purpose, whatever that looks like, to go out and fulfill the things that you have planned for us, whether those are big things or little things, maybe it's amazing if he's raising our kids. Like it doesn't have to be this world altering step that Paul took. I mean, he really took a world altering step when he stepped into this purpose. Ours doesn't have to be that big, but it's whatever you've called us to. Help us and the church be obedient in that calling. Help us celebrate stepping into that calling. When something ends and another thing begins, that transition, help us to navigate that transition with wisdom and by your spirit. Then there's this whole story about the magician, the person who was intentionally trying to deceive someone else because It threatened their livelihood, their security, their authority, their influence. When those things are threatened in our lives, I pray that we would actually look at what's threatening them and not retreat into protection mode. He was intentionally opposing the work of God, Scripture says. And then Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, said, looked straight at him and and called him basically a son of deceit, right? No, all kinds of de- full of all kinds of deceit and trickery, you son of the devil and enemy of all that is right. That's pretty damning. The word that I want is just out of my head. Um, condemnation, but that's not what I was thinking of. I'll probably think of it in three hours. I'll be like, oh, that was the word. Anyhow, Paul called him out big time, but he did it full of the Holy Spirit. Confrontation, that's the word I wanted. He confronted him full of the Holy Spirit, not full of himself, not full of indignation, not full of statistics and arguments, not even full of your word, but full of the Holy Spirit. So I pray that when we handle confrontation, when we set ourselves against evil, and when we call people out, let that be done full of the Holy Spirit. Whether we are speaking truth and love, or in this case, whether we are speaking condemnation in Paul's case, let that work only be done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And when we have spoken those things in the past through our own power or through arrogance or through any of the things, any pride, any of those things that step in, may harsh words, these were harsh words, may they only come out of our mouths when it's you talking spirit. And then when you ask us to say them, I pray that you would give us the boldness as Paul looked straight at him and said it straight out. Pray that you would give us Paul's boldness and his reliance on the Holy Spirit for those kinds of words. Okay, let's keep going. I'm going to read a whole bunch of stuff here. Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia. But John left them and went back to Jerusalem. They continued their journey from Perga and reached Pisidian Antioch. On the Sabbath day, they went into the synagogue and sat down. After the reading of the law and the prophets, the leaders of the synagogue sent word to them, saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, you may speak. Paul stood up and motioned with his hand and said, Fellow Israelites and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people Israel chose our ancestors, made the people prosper during their stay in the land of Egypt, and led them out of it with a mighty arm. And for about 40 years he put up with them in the wilderness. And after destroying seven nations... In the land of Canaan, he gave them their land as an inheritance. This all took about 450 years. After this, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. Then they asked for a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for 40 years. After removing him, he raised up David as their king and testified about him. 
I have found David, the son of Jesse, to be a man after my own heart who will carry out all my will. From this man's descendants, as he promised, God brought to Israel the Savior Jesus. Before his coming to public attention, John had previously proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. Now, as John was completing his mission, he said, Who do you think I am? I am not the one, but one is coming after me, and I am not worthy to untie the sandals on his feet. Brothers and sisters, children of Abraham's race, and those among you who fear God, it is to us that the word of this salvation has been sent. Since the residents of Jerusalem and their rulers did not recognize him or the sayings of the prophets that are read every Sabbath, they have fulfilled their words by condemning him. Though they found no grounds for the death sentence, they asked Pilate to have him killed. When they had carried out all that had been written about him, they took him down from the tree and put him in a tomb. But God raised him up from the dead, and he appeared for many days to those who came with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we ourselves proclaim to you the good news of the promise that was made to our ancestors. God has fulfilled this for us, their children, by raising up Jesus, as it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have become your father. As to his raising him from the dead, never to return to decay, he has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure promises of David. Therefore, he also says in another passage, You will not let your holy one see decay. For David, after serving God's purposes in his own generation, fell asleep and was buried with his father and decayed. The one who God raised up did not decay. Therefore, let it be known to you, brothers and sisters, that through this man, forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed to you. Everyone who believes is justified through him from everything that you could not be justified from through the law of Moses. So beware that what is said in the prophets does not happen to you. Look, you scoffers. Marvel and vanish away, because I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will never believe, even if someone were to explain it to you. As they were leaving, the people urged them to speak about these matters the following Sabbath. After the synagogue had been dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who were speaking with them and urging them to continue in the grace of God. Okay, I'm going to pause there. I wasn't planning to, but I'm going to pause there. There's one more short section. I want to go back and pray through this section because it's kind of long. We have Paul setting out on his journey. And one of the things, slipping into prayer now, one of the things, Father, I so appreciate about this passage is that all throughout you show your hand. Luke is emphasizing your sovereignty in all of these things. All of the places they were, all of the, the history of the nation, as Paul recites it, in a few minutes, he recites the, the history of the Israelites. As he recites that, Luke is emphasizing your sovereignty in all of those actions and in the ones happening now. In their trip, in where they are, and what they're doing, Luke is emphasizing your sovereignty. And I proclaim that over my life today, over the life of your people and your church, I recognize that you are sovereign and that the choices that you make about salvation, about my life, about my circumstances, about the circumstances of people around us, about when we live and die, all of the things. I recognize your sovereignty today, and I worship you for that. I pray that as we step into our own purpose, that we do so with the boldness of Paul, with the meticulous attention to detail, to process, 
to being willing to sit among a people who were going to <laughs> refuse him. His, his habit, as a side note, his habit was to go when they entered a city to go to the Jews, to go to the synagogue, to begin speaking in the synagogue, that always brought opposition from the Jews. But he always started with the Jews. And I, I pray that that action of ours, when we know this is how I am supposed to proceed, even when it's hard, even when I am expecting opposition, that we would still step into those places, still have those conversations that we're supposed to have. All right. As an aside, before we slip into this last section, when they say in the section to come, the first sentence is the following Sabbath, almost the whole town assembled to hear the word of the Lord. Now, this was not a Jewish area. The Jews were a minority in this area. So when the whole town comes, we are talking about Gentiles. These are all of the Gentiles are coming into the synagogue to hear the speaking of the word of God. And the Jews get jealous. This isn't all the Jews who weren't at church last week. This is a Gentile area. So let's dive in. The following Sabbath, almost the whole town assembled to hear the word of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and they began to contradict what Paul was saying, insulting him. Paul and Barnabas boldly replied, it was necessary that the word of God be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we are turning to the Gentiles for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they rejoiced and honored the word of the Lord and all who had been appointed to eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region but the Jews incited the prominent God-fearing women and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their district. But Paul and Barnabas shook the dust off their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Father, in this section, I want to ask just a few really specific things. That as your word goes forth, that we would not be among the religious people who persecute you. It's very easy for the religious, um, I don't know, here they say the prominent, what was it? Let me look. Prominent God-fearing women and leading men of the city. They stirred up those people to persecution against your word. Pray that that would never be us, that you would never find us in the church being those prominent men and women of God persecuting your people. And I pray that as that sounds like a strange thing to ask, pray that you would open our eyes where that's happening. Pray that you would open our eyes to see your work in a broader sense than we may understand it. We each have this narrow focus. And I pray that we would be open to your work when it's before us, that we would always be testing and asking your spirit if this is of you. Whether it feels weird, looks different, sounds different to our ears, looks different to us, that we would always be testing that. And when we find it's like the magician Bar-Jesus, we confront it. But when we find that it's like Paul and Barnabas, that we encourage it, that we become like the Gentiles who rejoice and honor your word so that all who are appointed to eternal life may believe. Let that always be before us. Let us always be the people who honor your word so that all people appointed to eternal life may believe. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all, that was a long episode. Thank you for sticking with me. Those of you who are here, I love it that you join me each Monday and Wednesday to do this. I'll be back again on Monday at 10 a.m. Central. Would love it if you return. We'll head into the next chapter. 
as we pray together, one of my hopes is that God would speak to you in this time as he speaks to me. Like reading through his word speaks to me, and I hope that it speaks to you in the way that you need it to as well. But most of all, I pray that you will fall deeper and deeper in love with the God who gave us these words that we are, that we are reading and that we are praying through. Amen. Amen.